Okay, so today we are beginning the book of 1 Corinthians. And before we get started, I want to read just a little bit from you. This is from the book called The Illustrated Bible Survey. And it's a really, it's a really cool book that kind of gets into the, the nitty-gritty of each individual book of the Bible. And um, so before we open up for our discussions and we actually read our text, let me just read this to you. Um, the message of the book of 1 Corinthians. It says, the problems of the local church of 1 Corinthians were rooted in a sinful self-centeredness. Paul suggests that these issues can be effectively solved by spiritual men who give themselves in sacrificial service to their Lord and walk in imitation of Christ. Paul told the Corinthians to imitate me as I also imitate Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. The letter demonstrates a spiritual man's response as correct doctrine is applied to life. Doctrine simply means teaching, doesn't it? So what we're going to be working through is the introduction today. Paul's introduction began on an encouraging note. He describes the church at Corinth in view of God's sovereign call and sanctification. Even though there were serious problems in this church, the readers belonged to God and were set apart in this evil city to accomplish his purposes. So that just kind of gives us a, a kind of a, a little bit of an overview of some of this stuff. And so as we work through the book of 1 Corinthians, um, I'll bring some of that illustrated the content out from the Illustrated Bible Survey to kind of give a little bit of an overview as we kind of move through to make it relevant. Um, did anybody get a chance ahead of time to read chapter 1, 1 Corinthians chapter 1? Yeah? Uh, before we get into answering our questions in our discussion, does anyone have a thought on just the overall, the overall content of what was in chapter 1? Anything stand out to you? Well, nice greeting. Then he got on to them for... You know, he was thankful he didn't baptize, but just a handful of people because of what they were complaining about. Yeah. It was quite an interesting, you know, but it was a beautiful greeting, you know, and then he went in right in, in verse 10, went right into business. He did, didn't he? He sure did. Yes, he did. He sure did. So that's really good. So today we're going to focus on our discussions of verses four through nine. Now there's, there's a, there's a reason that I thought it would be applicable for us to start with 4 through 9 because it kind of lays down this really inter interesting foundation as to what we've learned about the kind of person God is, you know, coming out of an extensive study of all of John's writings, the Gospel of John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, his letters. And and so I'm really, I'm really interested to just kind of see what all we can find from that, so... That being said, um, I will read it. This is uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 4 through 9. I always thank my God for you because of the grace of God given to you in Christ Jesus, that you were enriched in him in every way, in all speech and all knowledge. In this way, the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you, so that you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. He will also strengthen you to the end, so that you will be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful. You were called by him into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. 
you see how Paul is like really like affirming them and building them up. He's saying, yeah, you guys are having issues in your church, issues in your family, issues in your person. But he's just like really speaking truth into their life right there. He's like encouraging and affirming and building them up. And he's recognizing all of the positive attributes of them, their, their positive qualities, the goodness that is in them. As you said, Mark, before he goes into verse 10 and starts speaking some hard realities to him. But he's recognizing their virtue. He's affirming them. He's, he's validating them. And that's an amazing experience when someone validates you and you feel like, I'm not all bad. Because imagine these people in the church in 1 Corinthians, and as we go through, you'll find it, I'm sure. Imagine how they felt knowing they were dealing with some really hard issues and dealing with potentially some guilt and all of that. So... So that being said, let's let's direct our attention to these questions. Um, <clears throat> God's goodness is revealed in Jesus. So, what stands out to you in this passage? Anybody like to go first? I read it in the the message version. Okay. And it says God Himself is right alongside to keep you steady and on track until things are all wrapped up by Jesus. God, who got you started in this spiritual adventure, shares with us the life of his son and our master Jesus. He will never give up on you. Never forget that. It's wonderful. I like how that was stated. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, I, I found that in verse 6, I underlined it in verse 6, the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you. And I just thought, I just spent a few minutes thinking about that. The testimony about Christ was confirmed among you or in you. So I just started asking the questions, you know, what's the testimony about Christ? And then I thought about in Revelation. There's so much in Revelation that talks about these are they that have the testimony of Christ, the spirit of prophecy. There's all of these testimony of Jesus. There's all of these examples. So like, you know, what's the testament of Jesus? And if we connect that with what we've learned about in the book of John and John's writings, the testimony of Jesus is what Jesus came to reveal about the kind of person God is, God's character. And Paul is saying that Jesus' testimony is confirmed in me, in you, in us, which means our lives have the capacity to reveal the truth about the kind of person God is. It confirms Jesus' testimony. And influence others. There you go. Yeah. I thought that was pretty profound. Anybody else? Another, any other aspect of that passage that stood out to you? What about in verse 8 where he says, He will also strengthen you to the end. Which end do you think he's talking about? And strengthen you in what way? I think it just gives us strength for the journey of life. Yeah. To the end when he comes. Yeah, rescues us off this mess. Comes, yeah. Yeah. My, uh, my mind at that point thought back to when we were discussing John's letters to 1 John 3, 2. Where it said that, for we, are, we don't know yet what we will become. But we know... That when he, referring to Jesus, comes, we shall be like him because we will see him face to face. We will see him as he is. And, and I, that's, my mind immediately went there when I read that verse. He will also strengthen you to the end 
so that you will be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, that's a promise. To me, that's such a promise that God is saying, I, I promise to do that in your life. You know? I, I heard a, a pastor last week say when he talked about strength. He said, God, God doesn't give us strength to go through a journey. We gain strength by going through the journey and hanging mm. on to him. And then we get stronger every time we go through a journey. What what design law is that describing? Um, I don't know. I would say worship. Okay. Yeah. So Just hanging on to him. Just worshiping him. So yeah. gaining strength through a journey or a difficult task yeah. is the law of exertion. Exertion, yeah, you go. You get stronger by practice, you get stronger. Yeah. Yeah. So you gain strength by going through the difficult task of, like Sarah, she's really trying to jump, run a lot this week, and child can really start that process and practicing our music instruments and reading and learning something new. You know, like Angel, he, he said, what, you're learning Portuguese, right, buddy? Something like that? Angel's going to learn a new language, yeah. and so... It's exactly it. So imagine that journey that God brings us in as on an individual, personal level. You know, we shared some things about some difficulties that we have in, in all of our families. And as Paul is bringing to this letter to the per church of 1 Corinthians, they're having difficulties within their church family. And how he kind of talks about through this process, you know, it's going to feel wrong. It's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. But it's through this difficult season, it's through this difficult process that you grow and are refined. I think, what is it, in Peter? I'm not sure if it's in Peter or what verse it is, but, it's, you know, brothers and sisters, count all joy when you fall into various temptations, trials and tribulations, because the testing of your faith produces patience, and patience produces character, and character produces eternal life. It's this whole process, you know? Super good. Anyone else have anything to add to that before we move on? Anything else that stood out to you in that passage? Do we ever feel in verse 9, this is God is faithful. You were called by him into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. How many of us struggle with, with truly believing that on a daily, moment-by-moment -moment basis, even when we're in our worst, when we're angry, when we're resentful, when we're acting out, when we're aggressive, when we're giving up on God, when we feel hopeless? How many of us struggle with that? That concept of you were called by him into fellowship with his son, Jesus. Notice how there's no like qualifiers on that statement either. It's not, you're called into fellowship if you dot, dot, dot. Or, I mean, I think there's always, <clears throat> he's perfect and we aren't. So we don't think the way he thinks. Right. You know, so I think it's always kind of hard to believe. Yeah. You just constantly need reminders. Oh, yeah, that's how it is. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. <clears throat> Any other thoughts on that? What would take place in our life? Think about this. For us to truly... So God is faithful. Faithful means trustworthy in Bible language. So God is trustworthy. So since God is trustworthy... 
I, Lola, Mom, all of us, we can say, I have been called by him into fellowship. That means relationship. So if we truly believe that and we trust that, even when we feel like we don't deserve it or we're in our worst, what kind of impact would that have on our lives? What would that kind of response would that create in us to truly understand that to truly know that the word safety comes to my mind yeah um just to to feel safe that this all-powerful being is beside me Mm. um has my back Mm. all the time yeah it's good. I have some other ground. I was going to say something similar. Well, speak more on that. Mm-hmm. Speak up louder. You're like super quiet. Yeah, I know. And other people are like, I'm who's, like that, your who's that soft-spoken kid? You can't hear him. It's okay to kick him. Yeah. I don't want to kick him. I want to, <laughs> I want to encourage him to use his diaphragm and speak up. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have anything to say. It's pretty much safety. Kind what does that mean to you? Slipped. Um... Like, how would you experience that? Kind of what mom described. How would that impact your life? Um, I'm not totally sure. It's kind of a, I kind of fall into a blank statement when I, when I think about it, but hmm. I definitely would feel safe, you know? Uh, yeah. I don't know why I'm going into a blank right now. It's like, I think of it this way. When I was a kid, when we were kids, and we were sick, or thrown up, okay? Sometimes Bo, you know, he comes into our room and knocks on, Mommy, what's up, little buddy? I threw up. I don't feel good. Okay? So Bo, Bo has this, this, this sense of safety that even though when I'm, throwing up and I'm sick, I can still come to my parents because they accept me in my sickness and they will help me. And I think of that exactly how God is. Now, how horrible would it be if if that's the kind of people his parents were, but Bo believed that, well, I couldn't go to them because I'm I'm throwing up. I'm, I'm sick. I'm not perfect. I'm not. Per- there you go. I'm not perfect. They're not sick. I'm not perfect like them. And so he suffers in isolation by himself, sick and miserable. And he doesn't have to. It's a lie. So I think of God the same exact way in this aspect of your safety that you're talking about. And when Jesus, God is faithful, he's trustworthy, he's called us into relationship. He's saying even when you're sick, when you're you're selfish, all these things, God, I'm really struggling right now. And here's what's, you know, I heard something today that, that and, and I want to share with you guys, and I think it, it really changed my thing. People say, I'm struggling with, I'm struggling with this anger. I'm struggling with an addiction. I'm struggling with uh, my family. I'm struggling with work. I'm struggling with this. And they use the word struggle like it's a negative thing. Mm-hmm. When you're struggling with something, what are you doing? Just trying to get you're working, working through it. You're fighting back. You're not giving up. You're winning. That's what you're doing. It's a whole perspective shift. And I just, I think that's just amazing.
So what do you learn about God and the kind of person he is in this passage? And the way Paul's kind of describing how God's called us, he's trustworthy, he's faithful, he's, you know, Jesus' testimony is confirmed in the people in Corinth and also in us. What do we learn about God and the kind of person he is? Think about that. Treats us the same way he'd want to be treated, in a, in a sense. Because hmm. he, he says, he f- went, um, called it him into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. But in the beginning, it says God is faithful. Those are two different mm. things. I don't know. Sorry, I can't speak up louder. Now go on. So you think there's a... There's a Some kind of correlation there. Yeah. I mean, he's in a way comparing us to Jesus Christ, who is imperfect. More perfect than us, but right. imperfect. Um, yeah. Well, he says he strengthens you so we'll be blameless. Say that one more time, buddy. So we will be blameless. Yeah. <clears throat> what do you think about that? Go on a little bit more. Well, is it? Does that mean we'll have no faults? Hmm. The strengthen is more for your struggles. Mm-hmm. Things that you bring to God. Okay. And so, and he promises to strengthen you to the end. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, in order to be held blameless in front of God, there has to be improvement mm. from where you were when you first met God. Mm-hmm. To be held blameless, well, that would imply a struggle Mm -hmm. of being found clear of that struggle. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so I think it's a walk with God that these, you know, that we're all called to do very much like the Corinthian church. You know, anyone who claims to be a Christian. Mm Mm-hmm should have a good ongoing walking relationship with God. And I think this is talking about that strengthening process through that walk. Let me, let me throw out a different concept for you. And Diego, just consider this concept, okay? So, it, so if a baby is born with a terminal illness, with a, with a disease that has the potential to kill them, are they born guilty or are they born terminal? Terminal. So if they're born terminal, can they be blamed for anything? No. So, so let me read this verse to you differently. Verse 8. He will also strengthen you to the end so that you will be healed in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Psalms 51, David says, I was born in sin, conceived in iniquity. The word blamed is kind of like an arbitrary statement, right? You, you're, you're guilty of something. You're, you're blamed for an act that you chose to do. But to take what the Bible describes and what Jesus describes, I didn't, I didn't choose my sin selfish condition. Did anybody here choose to be selfish and, and struggle with sin? Mark. Here's the thing, though. 
as you learn about God, mm-hmm. as you learn about His ways of dealing with things, as you read the Bible, and it's really an example of what to do and what not to do, is what the Bible is. And it once you start ingesting this way of living, it should change you to the point that you reflect the nature of Christ. Mm-hmm. And so, even though we're born in a sinful world, as Christ was, we can choose to do sinful things or not. Mm-hmm. So as we learn about God, that should change our choices. So I think I want to, just to speak to that real quick, mm-hmm. and, and that is that in Jesus' time, the Pharisees had the same view that the Bible was a list of things to do and not to do. And Jesus, Jesus approached them and said, you search the Bible because you think in them you'll have eternal life, the right list of things to do and the list of things to avoid. But Jesus said, but the Bible speaks of me. The Bible speaks of the kind of person God is. And so I think that we should frame all of our interactions with the Bible as not a list of things, deeds to be done and sins to be shunned, but to approach the Bible as what is this saying about God? And what is it revealing about the kind of person he is? Because Jesus made it very plain. The scripture speaks of me. Well, I think like when Diego said about about the blameless thing, I've kind of always wondered about that too. Mm. But <clears throat> for me, I'm kind of like boiling it down to purposeful living. Interesting. Um, you know, the more that we learn about our mission is just something like what Jesus was to reflect the Father, right? To show the Father, right? And so our our purpose here is to learn learn more and more about the father and his and his um just the love that he has and try to more and more and more and understand that and i think the more that we focus on trying to understand that yeah then that changes us you know that was uh john five thirty nine. what i was referencing there about yeah jesus was said that. yeah absolutely. And, and and somehow in my brain If we focus on that, to try to understand God, understand his love and how his love works, Mm -hmm. um, to live purposely like that, Mm -hmm. the cool thing about God is that he knows. Mm. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. From the day you were born till the day you die, he knows every minute. He knows every wound. He knows every joy. He knows what made you, you. He's the only one that knows. And to me, then that's how we can stand blameless because he knows. Mm. So your blameless and my blameless are different. Different. That's beautiful. Yes, I'm sure. So the definition of blame is to assign responsibility for a fault or wrong, um, hold responsible. Um, so I think that's different than saying that somebody has sin or it's, you know, 
the difference is that just because we have sin, maybe we are sinful, does not mean that we are going to be blamed for the sin that we have. Mm-hmm. doesn't mean that we're not going to have the sin, but we're just not going to be assigned responsibility for the fault or wrong. It's not saying we don't have the fault or the wrong. We're just not going to be on responsibility. It's the sins of the father from the generations to generations. That's what Bible talks about. So what I hear you saying, Sarah, is just like just like when Bo comes in throwing up because he's sick, we're not holding him at fault for that. We recognize that he's suffering from a condition and that if yeah. we don't act to intervene and heal him, then that potentially could get much worse. Much He could get way more sick. So that's what I hear you describing is we're not, he's, he's blameless because he's just suffering from a condition. That doesn't mean he's not sick. That's right. It doesn't mean he's not struggling. It doesn't mean he doesn't need healed. We could, we could forgive Bo for throwing up in his bed, right? Any of us as parents and grandparents, but does that actually make the child better? No. He's ministered to. Correct. Absolutely. Yeah. That's good. That's great. Hmm. So, you know, our last question that we always try to respond to when we have these discussions and when we do our devotions too is considering what we have learned in this passage, what is God calling you to change this week? And so, like, how would you respond to that? And, and the beautiful thing about our journal Bibles here is that I encourage you all to, we have some pens around, actually write in this book what you feel God calling you to change or what you should change. Because then next week, part of our discussion will be, how did you do on that? And we can actually go back to the page and we can read it. You say, I actually forgot all about it. Or you can say, I actually accomplished what I was hoping to change this week. No more forgetting. Huh? No more forgetting. That's right. That's right. So, so what do you think? What's God calling you to change this week? I think for me, the testimony about Jesus was confirmed. And I think that, you know, connecting that back to what we were talking about with Revelation, when Revelation talks about um, people who hold the testimony of Jesus and have the spirit of prophecy. A lot of people believe the prophecy is, is speaking about some futuristic event, and that's true. But... Also, prophecy is also, in the Bible, simply the concept of calling people back to a knowledge about God. There are a lot of Old Testament prophets that didn't prophesy about any futuristic event at all, but they're called prophets because what were they doing? They were calling the Israelites and the children of Israel back to a knowledge of God. Yeah. And that's what Jesus was doing too. Jesus was calling people back to a knowledge of God. So for me, I believe that what I would ask God to help me change this week is to just be mindful of my attitudes and my actions and the tone and the timing of my words to confirm Jesus' testimony and that my life would call people back to knowledge of God. Absolutely. Anybody else have some insights you'd like to share? 
every day I've been just praying and I'm going to continue that to just increase my awareness of his presence. It's mm. awesome. Anybody else? That's good. So next week, we're going to move to chapter 2. And we're going to read a lot more passage next week. And uh, so I really encourage you to, you know, set an evening aside, sit down by yourself, sit down with your with your partner, with your family, and go through it, and and try to apply yourself. But next week we're gonna we're going to discuss chapter two, verses six through sixteen, which is the end of that chapter. And the title there is spiritual wisdom. That's the topic title. It gets pretty interesting in that. Six to sixteen. Six to sixteen. Yep. Spiritual wisdom. Yep. And then as you read through that passage, you know, have your card with you and underline the verses that you think apply, and and just write down what you think you can get out of it. And um, come prepared to have a, a really cool, interesting conversation about it. Because, and I encourage you as well. Like Mom brought in a little bit to this conversation, but I don't don't feel restricted that you just have to use this version in your own personal study. Please bring bring a version of your choice. If you like a paraphrase or a King James or NIV or whatever it is, it, take the notes in your book. And then when we come to group, you know, share. You know, in this version it said this, and I really like that. Or here's a commentary that I read that I thought was really nice too. Just bring your insights as we as we grow together. So, okay, awesome. Well, let's have a word of prayer. We'll close. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this discussion. And the, the understanding about the kind of person you are in relation to the understanding about the kind of person we are. Thank you so much that you are ever truthful and you are ever trustworthy and you are faithful to grow and to complete us and to heal us. And with this foundation is understanding about you that Paul laid down before he gets into correcting and and training and teaching the people in Corinthians. Lord, may we remember these things as we get into some harder topics and some more complex ideas, um, that your goal is not to hold us at fault, but to heal and restore us. Thank you, Jesus. We pray in your precious name. Amen. Amen.